Welcome back to the Working Out the Inside podcast. I'm Andrew Nargawala of Advanced Psychotherapy and Healing Associates in Creskill, New Jersey. And today we have episode 11, What Creates and Nurtures Healthy Relationships and What Weakens and Destroys Them. Almost daily we get calls from couples and individuals in various stages of crises in their relationships. So we're going to look at today what are the core concepts and tangible choices that people can make before and during relationships to possibly avoid major problems in the future. Of course, this can just be an, an overview, an outline, but I'm hoping with your suggestions for future podcasts, we can look in more detail uh, regarding these issues. We've all heard that phrase uh, from Jerry Maguire, uh, you complete me. It's great for Hollywood movies. It's terrible for real life relationships. Sorry, Jerry. But uh, often people enter relationships looking for that other person to make up for things that are lacking in themselves. Even looking for someone to make them happy. A great relationship can definitely make us happier, more joyful, but we have to come to a relationship as a whole, happy, grounded, connected person. Not perfect. I don't mean to say that all of these things are perfectly achieved, but we have to be on that road for ourselves. We have to know what the path is to get there without a relationship, and then the relationship making it just better and more joyful along the way. Uh, the tremendous feelings of love and desire, they're, they're wonderful feelings. They're very powerful, and they can capsize us if we don't have a clear idea of who we are outside of that relationship, and if we don't have our own personal and professional support system separate from the relationship. Now, this applies to the decisions to get married or to commit to a long-term relationship and even to having children. Couples will sometimes think, well, we're having problems now, we're drifting apart, we're arguing, but a child will bring us together, solidify our bond. That could happen, but much more likely is the pressures and demands of being parents will expose and deepen the cracks and fissures in the relationship. Having or adopting a child can be a glorious experience, but it should be done out of healthy partnership, not the desire to fix anything. And this, of course, applies to marriage itself. There's an old Robert Redford movie called The Candidate, where he gets elected with the help of a team of spinmeisters and then, as they're ready to move on to another campaign, he asks, what do I do now? Getting elected was his goal and focus, not the day-to-day -day tasks of governing. So he has no idea to what, what to do after he gets elected. For some couples, the dream of getting married takes precedence over considering the realities of a relationship. The ceremony gets lots of time and money and attention but premarital counseling is low or not on the list. I've known people who experience a great letdown after the ceremony because the 
clear goals of that ceremony are then replaced with the unclear direction of the relationship itself. Marriage is a wonderful symbol, a declaration to family, friends, society of a deep and loving partnership. But it's a symbol, like a ring or a cake, not a substitute for closely examining the goals of the marriage. This doesn't necessarily mean you need a therapist. Some couples go to ministers in their church, synagogue, mosque. Some can do it on their own, but it's very needed no matter how you take it on. Understanding the power dynamic in any relationship is very important. For any long-term relationship, you need your own income and an exit strategy. For example, it's fine to have a joint, bank a joint bank account where both contribute, but both parties should always have their own personal accounts. This sounds very unromantic, but having independence, financial, emotional, is key to bringing a whole person to a relationship without dependency. The same with an exit strategy. No one gets into a relationship hoping or even thinking it will fail but you have to prepare in case it does. That means having your own source of income, uh, as we said, your own personal and possibly professional support system, friends, family, therapist, should things not work out. Many times people tell us their own friends have been allowed to drift away. They're only the couple's joint friends. You have to make time during the relationship for your own friends, your own interests. It won't detract from your commitment. On the contrary, it will refresh and nurture the relationship by removing the pressure that the other person can meet all your needs and that you can meet all of theirs. When you have your own support, it's much more difficult for someone to take you for granted in the relationship. And that's where we see the R word, not romance, but respect. Attraction, romance, love, these are always considered in relationships and rightfully so. They're all wonderful and necessary. But respect is sometimes an afterthought and it should be right up there with the other elements. Many times couples will call with what they term communication issues that really stem from a lack of respect in the relationship. And in more advanced cases, this can result in verbal or physical abuse. We also hear, well, he doesn't hit me as if verbal abuse is not abuse. It is. It is very wounding and it can't be tolerated. I also hear more and more from men who are hit by their partners. And these men sometimes accept it and are embarrassed to report it, to even tell their, their couple's therapist. There's no double standard. If you're being hit, you're being hit. It doesn't matter who's hitting you. We also hear people say that they can't get out of a relationship because it will damage the children. We work with a lot of kids, and as I point out in previous podcast episodes, children are sponges. They're absorbing the emotional tension in the home. They tell us, but they're very reluctant to tell their parents because they don't want 
to feel that they're responsible for the breakup. It's one of the most, I, I think it's the, the top question that kids ask us privately is, am I responsible? And once they realize they're not, that it's really their parents' issues, they can deal with whatever comes along when they realize their parents are both going to be involved in their lives and they themselves can get therapy. Uh, but kids will, will say that, um, you know, our parents don't think we know what's going on. They think, you know, they don't fight in front of us, whatever. But we, we know what's happening and we hate living in a war zone. Whatever decisions you make in a relationship have to be based on the health of that relationship, not protecting others or keeping up an image for others. As we said, your kids can get their own professional help adjusting to their concerns, the same as you can. This brings up the issue of others having veto, veto power or too much influence on your relationship. This can include parents, children, friends. A support system is great, but allowing others to call the shots is very damaging. For example, in-laws or even one's own parents who give advice like, so he or she cheated, they all do, you can't really do better which is actual advice I've heard clients report having received. Or giving veto power to your kids over who you date. I've heard parents say, I don't want to parade a lot of people through my kid's life. And I'll ask, well, how many people have you dated? Oh, two in seven years. Kids are not that fragile. Yes, do not serially sleep with countless people and expose your kid to this. Of course not. But kids also have to understand that you are in charge of your dating and relationship options, not them. It's too much power for them anyway, and only you and your partner can be responsible for what you decide in a relationship. Now, if your partner is abusing your children, of course, that is completely different. It must be stopped. But otherwise, you have to call the shots, the two of you regarding your romantic choices. As we've discussed in previous episodes, private time with your partner is essential. It's still amazing to me to hear from couples who haven't had a vacation separate from their kids in decades. Or if there's no kids involved, they just have not made the time. Even sometimes for scheduled date nights, or day trips, it doesn't always have to be a long vacation, it doesn't have to be something expensive, but that idea of time spent together. The greatest gift you can give in a relationship is your presence, being fully present with that other partner. Uh, it's a kind of mindfulness, a shared mindfulness. And when we don't make time for that, and we know in the modern world, if you don't schedule it, it won't happen. I mean, I've been in session where I've literally had to take the phones of people and look at their schedules and say, uh, you now need to make some time. Let's put it in right now. Uh, because they just let years and years, and I'm serious, sometimes decades, uh, 
go by without that time. And it used to shock me, and I used to not believe it when I started practice many years ago. And I used to think, no, they're exaggerating. But it's true that it, it happens very frequently. And then also couples will bring in lists of things they have to do. I had one couple, and they brought in these lists. And I noticed on the list it said things like uh, clean the gutters. And I said, you know, I think we could put off cleaning the gutters and have you guys take some time. And, and their kids were like, please take some time. You guys never get away. They knew that the parents needed time. It wasn't uh, an issue for them. And sometimes couples are afraid to spend that time. That's part of the truth of it. They think if we're alone, we don't have any distractions. We don't have any excuses. We have to really face each other and ourselves in this relationship. Or sometimes couples get away and they have an absolutely wonderful time. And they think, you know, things are fine, but they return back to the same issues and problems and concerns. Uh, so it's not a miracle cure. It's a part of what is healing to a relationship. It doesn't solve the problem in and of itself. That would be easy. But it absolutely is necessary to grow with that person and to have time uh, independently. It's what we also say about having time individually with your kids, not just uh, in, in the group experience as a family, but also uh, to have one-on-one -on -one time also at times, even if it's just a brief thing like lunch or going to the park or whatever. It doesn't have to be expensive, but that quality one-on-one -on uh, time is so important. The most important factor in having a successful relationship is coming into it with unconditional love for yourself, for who you are. That doesn't mean you are uncritical of what you do, your behavior. This is not narcissism. But it does mean that you've done the work of learning who you are, what your value is as a person, what you want versus what you need, and what you deserve from a partner in a relationship. It's the kind of love we allow ourselves to feel for children, for example. We don't approve of all of their behavior, but we love them nonetheless. It's how we feel about family, and yet it's so hard oftentimes for us to love ourselves that way. And you have many people who say, well, I would do anything for my family. Uh, and then you say, well, what would you do for yourself? And many times when parents ask me, what can I do to help my child? And so often the answer is, you could take care of yourself better. That would be a great example because kids learn from example. And even when there's no kids involved, you know, I mentioned kids, but there's many couples, of course, who don't have kids. The same rules apply. Uh, making time for good self-care is not selfish. It's necessary. And I'm glad to see that message getting out more now, where people understand that it's okay to meet your own needs. In fact, it's essential 
And if we put all that pressure on a relationship, any relationship, and that includes work and friendship, right? When we say, well, you know, this event like work or this person in my life has to meet these needs. It's much too much pressure in the same way that if someone said to us, well, if, if you love me, I'll be happy. Or if you're with me, I'll be happy. Or if this job works out, I'll be happy. It's something that Brene Brown talks about in The Gifts of Imperfection. We can't wait to, per, to be perfect or to love ourselves perfectly because that will never happen. We're talking about loving ourselves with all our imperfections and working on that behavior, not ignoring our issues and saying, well, I love myself, so anything goes. No. We're talking about a deep acceptance that says, I won't always do the right thing. And our culture puts so much emphasis on, on external achievement, what we do, but almost none on who we are and the great qualities that we celebrate in others. Uh, and it's what draws us to others many times, the, the wonderful personal qualities. But we don't take the time to nurture and to even recognize that in ourselves. Many times when couples come in, we'll break them up for a while in individual therapy because they have many needs and, and many issues that haven't been addressed that the couple's work is not even appropriate to deal with. And, you know, sometimes it's things as extreme as addiction or abuse, but other times it's as simple and, and profound and deep as uh, the person can't say one good thing about themselves or uh, feels obligated to the relationship because it's all they have in their mind. They don't have a life or they don't have something to be proud of. And of course, we see much for them to be proud of and try to work on that with them. So when, when a culture overvalues externals and we play into that as people, then what we do, what we achieve, what we possess becomes overvalued, becomes too important. It's not that those things aren't important. We celebrate external achievement, but in a relationship, we also have to understand what we bring as personal qualities and what the other person offers us, not just their externals, but who are they to us in a deeper way. Uh, and it's something that over time we can help understand. They get lost in relationships. People who only look at the externals get lost because they lose sight of who they are and what they deserve. Any psychotherapy that doesn't examine who you are as a whole person, not just your behavior, is incomplete and the results will probably be short-lived. It's like when couples go to retreats or to workshops there is a value in those. I'm not saying that they're, they're pointless. But many times in the workshops, they're looking at the way we communicate, the language we use. Very important, 
definitely not saying that that's trivial. But if you don't get at the deeper issues of why are you talking that way to your partner or why are they talking that way to you and what are their values and what are their goals and have the goals changed. If you're with someone for five years, 10 years, 20 years, you change, the goals change. And people say, well, why isn't the advice that I got, you know, 20 years ago working anymore? Because you're different, your partner's different. And there, has, there have to be new expectations and a new relationship. It's grounded in the things that you loved about the person when you met. It's not throwing that away. But it's saying you can't possibly uh, go through changes yourself and not expect the relationship to change. And that change can be joyful. I want to say it's not all negative and, oh, my God, there's so many new problems. It can also be incredibly joyful uh, to grow with someone and to say, you know, we'll face these challenges together and we'll face, we'll experience these joys together. But it has to be communicated. Uh, many times couples will say, well, he or she should just know what I'm thinking. How could they not know? But people don't know. Very often they don't. Um, or people think that they're showing their love or their concern, but uh, they don't speak it, or they speak it, but they don't show it. You have to have both. And, you know, that requires commitment and effort Again, it can be the most joyful work that you ever do, but it's work nonetheless, just like the work. Therapy means the work. And the greatest compliment I can give another therapist is they, they know the work. They know how to break down, for example, the, the elements of a relationship and work with a couple to achieve the new goals, the ever-changing goals, and the long-term goals that they've had from the beginning, a mixture of past and present. And um, you can do this in your own self-therapy. You, you may say, well, these are things we do in our relationship naturally, Andrew. I think that's wonderful. I'm not saying it always requires a therapist, but in this overview that we've had today, I hope it at least opens that door to what is available to you if you're struggling. Um, and, and in a relationship, we find out a lot about ourselves, the positive and the negative. And I hope we can talk more about that. Uh, relationships as journeys of self-discovery as well as sharing and uh, learning most profoundly about that other person too. It's always... There's a lot of emphasis on that, trying to discover more about the other person. But we also learn about ourselves. And I hope we can talk in, in future segments about this. I want to also thank um, Podbean for selecting this podcast as one recommended for Mental Health Awareness Month, or now I think they just call it Mental Health Month. Uh, I like the, the term awareness because this podcast, its key mission 
is to increase awareness. It's a labor of love for me. And my whole goal is just to put out some information and get that response. And then it leads to people doing their own work. There's no way we can address or solve all these issues in a podcast, but I do believe this communication does open doors, and I've gotten some wonderful feedback, uh, not only, uh, of course, from lay people who I really designed this for. I didn't design this for therapists. I figured, well, they, they know this stuff, but I've been so grateful for therapists saying, you know, we, we enjoy the, the work that you're doing, and we've asked clients to listen to and, um, you know, I, um, it's wonderful to get that feedback. So I hope that you will continue to ask questions, suggest topics. We've gotten some great topic suggestions from listeners. And again, thank you for this time. And be in touch and subscribe. It's free. <laughs> and... Uh, and rate the podcast. Only good ratings. No, I'm just kidding. Any, any ratings that you have. And again, thank you so much. And I look forward to uh, speaking with you on the next episode of Working Out the Inside.